what this allows you to do is pair two pairs of AirPods, or I assume any Bluetooth headset, but they obviously only showed AirPods, two pairs to one iOS device. So let's say you're on a plane, you have an iPad, and you want to watch a movie, you're with someone who also has AirPods, now you can stream that movie to both pairs of AirPods, so you can both listen, instead of doing the ghetto thing that I've done in the past, which is, I'll take one AirPod, and you take the other one, and we'll both listen with one ear. That is now a thing of the past, at least it will be when iOS 13 ships. Welcome to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm your host, Andrew Edwards of GearLive.com. Geared Up is the podcast that brings you your weekly look at the latest in the world of consumer electronics and tech. And this week, we have so, so much to talk about with WWDC 2019 happening just a couple of days ago. If you're unaware, WWDC is Apple's annual worldwide developers conference where they give updates and news as to what to expect for that year's releases of ios mac os tv os and watch os and this year the additional new ipad os as well so this week we're going to be talking about the things that stuck out to me during the wwdc keynote with the exception of the new mac pro this show is so packed with information on all the new software that going into the hardware of the Mac Pro would probably make this episode just way too long um, to listen to. So we're going to delay talking about the new Mac Pro hardware to next week's episode. And this week, we're going to focus on the software updates that Apple announced. Speaking of next week's episode, as I go through all the details this week of all the software improvements, if you end up having any questions about anything or want me to go into something in more detail, feel free to let me know by contacting me on Twitter or over on Instagram or in a YouTube comment and let me know and I will incorporate that into next week's show as well. Now, before we jump into the news, one thing I wanted to mention and actually thank you guys for was last week's show was the most listened to show in the history of Geared Up by at least double. And this actually took place within the first 24 hours. So within 24 hours of publishing last week's episode, at least twice as many people had listened to that episode than the episode that held the previous record for the highest listened to show. So I have no one to thank for that. But you guys, I appreciate you listening and definitely appreciate you sharing the show with your friends on social media. I've seen people sharing the show on Twitter. I've even seen some people using Overcast's app. If you're on iOS, the Overcast app is my podcast app of choice. And they now have a feature where you can actually share a clip to social media. So I've seen some people sharing clips on their Instagram stories of the show. I've seen clips on Twitter. And again, it just blew me away. I didn't expect that at all. So I just wanted to say thank you guys for the support. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you guys for leaving reviews on the show as well. So now without any further ado, let's get into the news of WWDC. And the first one, just to get it out of the way, is TV OS. If you have an Apple TV or an Apple TV 4K, Apple announced a couple of quick new features for TV OS. So the first one is a redesigned home screen, which looks a little better than the current home screen. Not that the current home screen is bad, but it's improved and improved home screen it kind of matches more with the new TV app that they just released a couple of weeks ago. It brings everything together. And the second one, the bigger one, is multi-user support. So currently with the Apple TV, you have one Apple TV and everyone who uses the Apple TV has the same information presented to them on screen. So if they go into the TV app, they'll have the same up next list, which is kind of like a queue. They'll have the same recommendations. And now you'll be able to have 
different user profiles. So when you sit down in front of the Apple TV, you'll be able to choose your profile and your spouse or your family members or your roommates will have their own profiles. And then you'll all be able to have your own next up lists and your own recommendations based on your own viewing habits. So nice, solid updates to tvOS, but that was pretty much it for the Apple TV. The big one that we're going to get into first is iOS 13. And there's so much to talk about here. In fact, there's so much to talk about that I feel like if I talk about it all, I'll just be boring you guys. So I wasn't sure if I should just pick some of my favorites or just go super deep and talk about all the changes and upcoming new features. So what I've decided to do is talk about my favorites this week. And again, I'm going to ask for your feedback here. Let me know if you like having the more curated experience where I just pick the best out of the bunch, or at least my favorites out of the bunch and tell you about those, or if you prefer a show that might be a little bit longer, but will then give you all the information, everything new, your one-stop shop for the news. Let me know in a comment, like I said, over on social media, hit me up, let me know, hey, Andrew, I like how it is, or hey, Andrew, you know what? I like those shows to be a little longer, so bring on the heat. All right, so let's start with performance. This is not a feature per se, but it is something that I think everyone is gonna notice. Apple says iOS 13, after installing it, Face ID will unlock 30% faster. Apps will launch twice as fast, so you tap on an app icon, the time between you tapping that icon and you being able to use and do something with the app twice as fast, right off the bat. App downloads will be 50% smaller, which means when you download an app, it'll download faster since it's half the size. And app updates, when you have an update to your app, those updates will be 60% smaller. So those three things right off the bat will make your phone feel faster because it is faster. And a nice responsive phone is the best, especially when you take a phone that you bought last year and you install iOS 13 on it, your phone will be faster rather than slower, always good. The big feature that a lot of people were excited about for some reason is dark mode. By the way, if you want a deep dive on dark mode and wanna see how it works, how to turn it on, how to turn it off, what it looks like, I did a video on YouTube yesterday. It's about 10 minutes going through everything dark mode. So head over to youtube.com slash gear live if you wanna see that. And it does surprise me how many people see this as their favorite iOS 13 feature because it's literally just a color mode on your phone. It's not any new functionality other than making backgrounds that were bright or bright white into dark black. Apple made a big deal of it and everybody's been asking for this for years and now it's here. So iOS dark mode is something you can enable in settings or from your control center. You can do this manually or you can have it automatically switch from light mode to dark mode by setting either a schedule or having it automatically figure out when sundown happens wherever you are. It'll use GPS, figure out when sundown is and automatically switch over to dark mode when the sun goes down. Wallpapers will be dark mode compatible. All of Apple's first party apps, for the most part, um, the vast majority of them will be dark mode compatible and third party developers will be able to add dark mode into their apps as well. But I am curious, are you into dark mode or are you like me where you don't see it as a huge deal? It's nice to have. I mean, I'm not complaining that it's there, but pretty much everything else on this list I find to be way more compelling than just being able to change the interface from light to dark. Up next, photos. One of the main things people do with their iPhones is take pictures. And Apple has done a couple of things with photos and a couple of things with the camera that should be mentioned. First, in the Photos app, you now have a new curated view of your best moments from every day, and then every month, and then every year, 
and then you have an all-time view as well. And as you get more and more granular, so you get from all time down to the year, it'll pick one photo for each year. As you scroll back in time, you'll go from 2019 to 2018, 17, 16, et cetera, and it'll just pick one photo that is close to this date. So let's say today I'm recording this on June 6th, 2019. When I scroll up to 2018, it'll choose a photo from around this date last year. And then as I scroll back through the years, each June 6th, as I go back in time, every day, you kind of get to go back in time on this date throughout history where you've been taking photos. Then as you get into the month, it'll split up each year into months. And again, it'll choose one photo to represent that month. And if you scrub your thumb over that photo, it'll actually go through and show you different photos for each day of that month. Like it'll choose one best photo for each day, or at least each day that you've taken photos during that month. So very cool because it makes it easier to kind of look at your photo library, open the app and just enjoy and experience the photos you took in the past in an easy way, rather than having an endless scrolling list where basically a lot of your photos get lost, disappear. You never see them again, no matter how good the photos are because you've taken so many, or at least I do. I take so many, I think I have almost 100,000 photos and something like 30,000 videos in my photos app. So it's impossible to just scroll through and find, you know, all those moments. Photo search has also been vastly improved. So you'll be able to search for things in photos. This morning, I just typed in the word elephant, for example, and found photos when I was in Thailand playing with elephants. So it identified the elephant in photos and videos and brought them to the forefront. New editing tools are in the Photos app as well. Powerful editing tools now. So the editing tools previously, iOS 12 and below, they were there, but they were pretty basic. And now we have editing tools that are advanced. You can edit almost any aspect of a photo, almost like if you were to download a dedicated photo editing app like Snapseed or Visco. Apple has included all these editing tools into the Photos app, but the cool thing is not only do they work for photos, they now also work for videos. So if you shoot a video on your iPhone or add a video to your iPhone, to your photo library, you can use the exact same tools. All the photo editing tools will now work on videos as well. So that includes rotating videos, that includes cropping videos, that includes enhancing videos, changing the color, changing the brightness, changing the contrast, all that stuff is able to be applied to videos and not just photos, which is a big deal. On the camera front, there is a new high key mono portrait mode effect. So portrait lighting is that effect where if you have an iPhone with two cameras on it, two rear cameras, so right now that's the iPhone 10, 10s and 10s Max, you have the portrait lighting mode where you can simulate professional lighting in your photo. Apple added a new lighting effect to that, which basically kind of looks like a black and white photo with a high amount of light behind the subject as well as in front of them. Now you're also able to change the intensity of portrait lighting when you're taking a photo. So similar to what a professional photographer could do in their studio, they have lights in their studio and they can move the lights closer to you or further away to change the effect of what the end result's gonna look like. Previously, Apple just had the virtual lights, for lack of a better term, placed in one ideal location within the photo, and that was the photo that you took. Now you can actually simulate moving lights closer to your face and further away in the camera app. Now let's talk about privacy. Apple has been making privacy a keystone feature of every device and every service that they offer. And they announced a new service called Sign In With Apple, which if you've seen those buttons in on apps and websites that let you sign in and even create accounts, 
just by using your Facebook account or your Google account. You basically tap on it or Twitter. You tap signing with Facebook. It uses your Facebook account to authenticate you into that app. Usually what that means is that app gets information from your Facebook account. They don't just get your name and email, but they usually get access to your profile or your friends list or different things basically that they don't necessarily need, but they want to know about you. What Apple is doing is offering an alternative, sign in with Apple. So you would tap on the button. It will confirm you through Face ID or Touch ID and you're done. When you're signing up, an app can ask you for two pieces of information. That would be your name and your email address. And you decide if you wanna provide those. If you do wanna provide your email address, Apple then gives you the option to either give them your real email address or you can have Apple create a virtual email address for that specific app, which will forward to your real email address, which basically means that app or service does not get your real email address. So if you start getting spam sent to that virtual address, you know, number one, that that service sold off your information, but number two, you can just shut off that virtual email address without affecting your real address at all. So that's very cool. The other privacy-related feature that stuck out to me is HomeKit Secure Video. A lot of people are getting these smart home cameras to protect their home, and what happens is you're actually sending video up to the cloud, and then it's being processed in the cloud by various companies, depending on what camera you buy, and then you get push notifications. So for example, you might have a camera that alerts you when a person comes into view, sends you a push notification to your phone. The reason it knows someone came into view is because it's being processed up in the cloud. So that could end up being a privacy violation because you never know who is seeing those videos or where they're ending up once they go to the cloud. What Apple is doing is doing all the processing now on your home devices. So whether it's your HomePod or your Apple TV or an iPad on your home network, that will do the monitoring of your video feed. And that's what will send you your push notifications. So even Apple doesn't see what's happening on your cameras. Smart home camera makers will be able to just include this feature into their devices. So it's not like you have to buy all new cameras from Apple or anything. And Apple will also store 10 days worth of recordings in your iCloud account, but the space that those 10 days of recordings takes up in your iCloud account will not count towards your iCloud storage plan. So it's not gonna mess with your storage at all. One caveat there is you have to have either the 200 gigabyte or the two terabyte storage option to make that happen. Next up with Maps. Apple has a completely new map that they've designed. So basically they rebuilt their map from the ground up. Way more detail for things like roads and parks, beaches, buildings, and everything else you see on a map. And they also now have something they call Look Around, which is their version of Google's Street View. So it lets you explore cities in an immersive 3D view. It lets you pan around 360 degrees and move down streets. And you can even virtually walk right up to an address or a storefront as well, which is something you can't really do with Google's Street View. Maps also has favorites now, so you can save your favorite locations or the most frequently visited places. Those will all just be a tap away now. You don't have to keep typing in addresses of your most favorite spots. And there's also something called collections, which allows you to save a list of places inside of a folder. So maybe you have restaurants you wanna try. You can save those all in a restaurants collection. Or say you're gonna be visiting New York City this summer you can save all the places that you want to make sure you go to in a New York City vacation collection. Collections live in your Maps app, but they can also be shared with friends and family as well. Next up, let's talk Siri. Siri improvement. The Shortcuts app is now built into iOS, and this app will basically monitor the way you use your phone and then suggest easy ways that Siri can help you. So for example, it might notice that every day at five o'clock, you get in a car, 
you connect to Bluetooth, you put on a certain podcast, and you usually text someone saying you're on the way home, and you set your thermostat to a certain temperature. So let's say these are all things you do every weekday. The iPhone will recognize that and say, hey, here, this is a routine that you do, and we can do all of these things with just one command. So you can create a command that says, Siri, I'm headed home. And by saying that one phrase, it will do all of those things that you were doing individually all in one step. It'll connect to your Bluetooth, it'll start your favorite podcast, it'll send a message letting someone know that you're on the way home, and it'll set your thermostat all with that one voice command. The HomePod, if you own a HomePod, it will now be able to recognize different voices so Siri can respond to each person properly. Currently, as it stands, only one iCloud account can be signed in per HomePod. And so what that means is if you're the one signed in and your roommate or your spouse asks the HomePod to send a message or asks it what's on your calendar, it will respond with your information. Now it'll be able to intelligently recognize different voices and respond with that person's information to their voice command. We also have announced messages on AirPods. So Siri will automatically read text to you as they come in and you can speak your responses hand-free. So this is great if you're, let's say, on an exercise bike is one example they showed or you're going for a run. If a message comes in, Siri will just read it to you right then and there. And then you can respond back without having to invoke Siri. It'll be listening to your response. So you can send someone a text reply right back. And then this last Siri feature is one I wish I had just a few weeks ago. Often when I travel, actually, it's audio sharing with AirPods. And so what this allows you to do is pair two pairs of AirPods, or I assume any Bluetooth headset, but they obviously only showed AirPods, two pairs to one iOS device. So let's say you're on a plane, you have an iPad and you wanna watch a movie, you're with someone who also has AirPods, now you can stream that movie to both pairs of AirPods so you can both listen. Instead of doing the ghetto thing that I've done in the past, which is I'll take one AirPod and you take the other one and we'll both listen with one ear. That is now a thing of the past. At least it will be when iOS 13 ships. Now those are the highlights. Again, there's a lot more. There's a new reminders app, new notes app, text formatting tools and mail. There's a more, way more advanced files app, new CarPlay experience. Apple is now integrating a swipe keyboard into iOS. And there's a method for sharing your name and photo automatically when you're messaging people. Again, I'm not gonna get into all of these in this show, but if you wanna hear about this stuff, and again, let me know if you want longer shows or you want me to go more in depth on things, and I'll take that feedback and incorporate it. But moving on, the iPad got some extra love this year at WWDC with iPad OS. So the iPad now has a fork of iOS, so basically Apple will now be making iOS for the iPhone and the iPod Touch, and then iPads will get iPad OS with their own features. So the iPad is now unshackled from the iPhone. So the first big feature is a new home screen. So the app icons are a little smaller on the iPad now to allow you to pin your Today View widgets to the left side of your main home screen. So those are the widgets that if you're on your main home screen and you swipe your finger to the right, you have that widget view. You're able to take that widget view and put it right on your main home screen next to your app icons. And this is the first time that we've seen something like this a big change to the home screen since the iPhone launch. The only other ones that I don't think are anywhere near as big as this are when they added the ability to do folders and when they added the ability to add extra pages when they launched the App Store. That's it. So widgets on the home screen. They also have something called Sidecar. So you can use your iPad as a secondary monitor when working on your Mac, and that includes support for the Apple Pencil. 
So if you have your laptop and you're on the go and you need a second display, just power up your iPad, launch sidecar mode, and your iPad becomes a second display no matter where you are. You have way better multitasking now with the iPad with slide over and split view. You can keep multiple apps in slide over. That is basically a little dedicated area on the right hand side where you can have a second app open. And then you have split view where you can have two apps open at once. And now you can do multiple instances of the same app in split view. So what I mean by that is you can have two emails side by side or you can have two Word documents open side by side. But you can also have multiple windows and multiple spaces. So maybe you want a Word document next to a web browser in one space, but you also want a Word document next to an ebook in another space. You can do that too. And for those that have been wanting to use their iPad as a, for lack of a better term, full computer, the iPad now has full Safari instead of mobile Safari and recognizes external storage. You can now plug in things like thumb drives, SD cards, external hard drives and have them recognized by the iPad as well. Again, there are more features in iPad OS. Those are the ones that stuck out to me that I want to talk about this week. Up next, we will be continuing with WWDC coverage by talking about what is coming and what's new for the Mac and Mac OS. That is coming up next on Geared Up. Welcome back to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards, and it is now time for the National Car Rental story of the week. Big thanks to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. Be sure to check out my other show, by the way, that I do with National Car Rental. That one's called Technically Speaking. You can find it on the nationalcar.com control center or over at youtube.com slash nationalcarrent. That's a show where I talk about the best travel gear for business travelers and people who are traveling for leisure as well. If you want to know about the best tech to bring with you when you're traveling, Technically Speaking is the show to watch. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat. National Car Rentals Emerald Club. We'll keep you there. Now, on to the National Car Rental Story of the Week. It is Mac OS Catalina, the next version of Apple's desktop operating system. So what's new with the Mac? The first thing, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that people seem to be worried about, actually, iTunes is disappearing and it's being broken up. Now, it should be said, the first thing I want to say about this, you're not losing any of your files or any of your iTunes data. iTunes is going away, but the data is not. Instead of one monolithic app that does so many things with everything stuffed into it, it's now being broken up into three apps. So first you're getting Apple Music. This is the new music app where you can stream from Apple's subscription music service if you're a member, but it's also where you'll find all your old music files, all your playlists, all the music you've collected over the years. If it's music, it'll be located in the music app. Then there's the TV app. This is where you're gonna find all of your older video files that you had stored in iTunes, as well as where you can watch Apple's upcoming Apple TV Plus streaming service, along with any other videos you've purchased or services that you pay for through the TV app, like for me, for example, HBO. I pay for HBO through the Apple TV app because that's the only way to get HBO downloadable. So if I'm going on a flight and I wanna download some Game of Thrones, the only way I can do that is if I'm paying for HBO through the Apple TV app. So that's what I do. But also in addition, for the first time, you're now able to watch your content in 4K resolution with Dolby Atmos Sound on your Mac through the Apple TV app. Finally, there's Apple Podcasts. Now this is a separate app 
dedicated to podcasts. All the podcasts that you subscribe to in iTunes will all be here, so everything moves over here. And now the app syncs with your iCloud account, so you can pick up where you left off. So for example, if you're listening to a podcast on your iPad or on your iPhone, you get home to your Mac, you can pick up right where you left off by using the same podcast app. So instead of all that stuff being in one app, it's now split up and it makes way more sense. You may be wondering, well, how do I sync my phone? I used to plug in my phone and sync through iTunes. Well, now that same process takes place in the Finder on the Mac instead of in iTunes on the Mac. Now, the other big feature coming to Mac OS is iPad apps. iPad apps will now be available to run on the Mac. This is gonna be big as developers will be able to easily upgrade and port their apps to the Mac, giving Mac users access to great apps that they otherwise had to rely on iOS devices for. So one example, good example here is Twitter. Twitter had a Mac app, it was rarely updated, to the point where they eventually abandoned it. They stopped updating it and they stopped allowing that app to access Twitter. So if you still have the Twitter app on your Mac, it won't work. Well, now you'll be able to run the iOS version of the Twitter app. The iPad Twitter app will run on your Mac and whenever the iPad version gets an update, your Mac version gets the update. So now you're gonna have apps that are constantly updated you can have a bigger selection of apps if you're on the Mac, thanks to the ability to be able to port iPad iOS apps over to the Mac. Now, it's not as simple as installing Catalina and then just going crazy downloading iPad apps. Developers have to port them over. So basically, they just have to do a little work to make the iPad apps work on the Mac. But from everything I'm hearing, that work is negligible. So it's just a couple things they need to do to update their apps for the Mac. So that's a big deal. The iPad has, I believe, over 300,000 dedicated apps, and that may be a very outdated number, but you're going to get a lot more apps available to you on your Mac thanks to this announcement. Now, again, there are other pieces of news with the Mac, including that new Mac Pro that Apple announced that I mentioned. I'm going to talk about that next week just because it's hardware and everything else here on this show is software. But the Mac is also getting a new voice control feature for accessibility where they showed someone basically controlling everything about their Mac without ever having to touch it or lift a hand because they couldn't lift their hand. They're able to do everything, control everything on their Mac using their voice. So that's a new feature. Approve with Apple Watch. You're now able to approve things like App Store purchases and signing in and pretty much anything where you need to input a password, you can now just approve it right on your Apple Watch if you happen to be wearing one. There's a new Reminders app, there's a new Notes app. All the same features that those new apps are getting on iOS, you're getting on the Mac as well. All right, up next, we're going to be talking about the last operating system that Apple will be updating this fall, and that is Watch OS. What is new for the Apple Watch? That's coming up next on Geared Up. Welcome back to Geared Up, I am your host, Andrew Edwards. We have been going over the news coming out of WWDC 2019. We've talked about iOS 13. We've talked about tvOS 13, Mac OS Catalina, which is 10.15, iPad OS. And now let's get into the Apple Watch, Watch OS. Now, the Apple Watch is the newest platform in Apple's lineup. They've been updating it every year since release. And actually, one year they updated it twice. Let's talk about what changes are coming to the Apple Watch, changes and improvements. First up, there are new watch faces. That's probably the, the smallest update, in my opinion. I assume most people find a watch face they like and they just kind of stick with it, but Apple is adding in several more watch faces. But they're also adding in new complications, so if you do have a watch face that you like, you'll be able to add in more 
of those snackable pieces of information right on your watch face. They're gonna have things like decibel level, cellular strength, chance of rain, little things like that. The ability to tap a button to just start a voice memo or dive right back into an audio book. You'll be able to do that right from your watch face. You can also set your Apple Watch to tap you on the hour. So every hour on the hour, it can tap you. And if you want, it can also do an audio chime every hour as well, which to me sounds sounds a little ridiculous. It does have enhanced Siri built into the Apple Watch now. So you can do things like if you're in a place, like let's say a restaurant where they're playing music, you can just ask the Apple Watch, what song is this? It'll listen to the song and using built-in Shazam, which Apple now owns, it'll just tell you what song is playing. And it'll do this even if you don't have your phone with you, if you happen to have a cellular model with cellular connectivity. You can ask Siri to search a topic and then scroll through web pages right on your Apple Watch and it's using the reader mode. So it's stripping away everything but the text when you go to a website on your Apple Watch. Also new and kind of showing us the future of the Apple Watch is there's now an app store built into your Apple Watch. Previously, you have to use the app store on your iPhone to find apps for your watch, download them to your iPhone, and then it would install a companion app onto your Apple Watch. Now you've got the tens of thousands of apps directly in the app store on your watch and you can install them, browse them right on your watch. No need for your iPhone. In fact, even the companion apps are no longer required for Apple Watch apps. So apps can just install and live on your watch without having to have an app on your phone. Apple's also adding in some of their own apps. You're getting a calculator app, which I don't know why that one took so long. You think that would have been one of the first apps on an Apple Watch, but you are getting a calculator app, including a tip calculator built in, voice memos app so you can dictate voice memos to yourself on your wrist. That new reminders app is also coming to the Apple Watch. And there's even an audiobooks app that's coming to the Apple Watch as well. Of course, health is a big reason people get their Apple Watch and Apple's adding in some more health conscious features. So if you use an Apple Watch, you're probably aware that it tracks your move ring, it tracks your exercise, and it tracks how often you stand up. So now what it's going to do, it's going to track all three of those, but it's also going to track how many minutes you spend standing per day, the distance you end up moving per day. So I assume that's walking or running and your cardio level throughout the day. And it's going to capture all this, give you the information, but also show you the trends. So it'll show you whether that metric is going up or down over time over the past 90 days. So it can kind of help you keep up with all those things so you don't fall behind. So if you start standing up less or your cardio level starts dropping, it will let you know, hey, compared to the previous 90 days, you're not moving as much or your cardio level is not as great or you're not standing as much, your exercise has gone down. It'll try to nudge you in the right direction. Not only will it take that last 90 days, but it'll also do longer term performance comparing the past 365 days. Another big thing they talked about on stage is cycle tracking for women. So menstrual cycle tracking will be built right into the Apple Watch and also will be built into the health app on the iPhone as well. But with that, you'll have your menstrual tracking so you can record symptoms like headaches or cramps or see your cycle length or variation. But using the information as you start putting this information in to the health app, it will then start to be able to predict when your fertile window is. So if you're trying to have kids, you'll actually get a notification on your phone or on your watch saying, hey, your fertile window will probably be starting in three days. Great feature for women out there for health tracking. And then finally, another good feature is hearing health. So the Apple Watch is now going to be constantly listening to the environment you're in in order to be able to determine how loud it is. And then it will give you recommendations based on the noise levels. For example, one notification you might get is you're in a loud environment, sound levels are at 90 decibels. 
around 20 minutes at this level can cause temporary hearing loss. So then you might say to yourself, oh, 20 minutes. Okay, well, let me take a break from the noise here after 10 minutes. Let me step outside so I don't do any permanent hearing damage. So the Apple Watch will be listening for loud environments to help you avoid damaging your health long term. And that's actually a pretty comprehensive look at the changes that are coming to watchOS. This is watchOS 6. That was your overview of the huge news that Apple announced with the exception of the Mac Pro, which is amazing. And we're going to talk about that on the next show. But again, if you have any questions about anything I talked about that you want to submit, please do. And I will address them next week. And speaking of questions, let's get to some of the questions that some of you guys sent. And I went on Twitter Asked for some questions, and here's what we got. Matthew Shambaum asked, do you think there will be a new Xbox hardware reveal? I believe he's talking about E3 next week, actually just a few days. Sunday, I do believe we're going to see Microsoft announce the next iteration of Xbox, not just Xbox hardware, but also the Xbox streaming service, xCloud as well. He also asked, what do you think of the Mac Pro still having a headphone jack? You know, it's a, it's a professional machine. So on these consumer devices where the headphone jack is disappearing, usually it's because of the size of these devices. Like you have a phone that's super thin, almost all the space inside that phone you need for battery, you need for the taptic engine. There's all sorts of things. You don't want to give up that space that that headphone jack takes up inside the phone. And I can understand that. Whereas you have a big Mac pro or even the MacBook pro, the amount of space that a headphone jack takes up is not as critical. So I'm fine with it having a headphone jack. Uh, number three, most wanted feature that's still not in iOS. That is an interesting question. The most wanted feature that I would want my iPhone to do or my iPad to do that's not built into iOS yet. I guess I'd want the ability to be able to install whatever software that I want to install easily without having to jailbreak. Similar to a computer. If I buy a Mac, I can install any software I want on that Mac. It doesn't have to go through an app store and be vetted. And I probably want something like that on the phone. But quite honestly, iOS and Android both are, they're incredible operating systems that are full featured. There's a reason why, you know, billions of people use these. I feel like I need to do more thinking about that because that's a, that's a great question. Kind of put me on a spot. So I'm going to, I'm going to think about that and see if I can come up with a better answer than installing my own software. But that would be one thing. Tech Rant on Twitter asks, which Mac Pro spec are you going with? Base model, mid-range, or fully loaded? Now, like I said, I'm talking about the Mac Pro on next week's episode. But what I will say is the Mac Pro doesn't exist as a machine that I would call something that you can say is full spec. The whole purpose of the Mac Pro is that it's modular so that anyone can configure it for their needs. So what I mean by that is I'm sure there will be a fully spec Mac Pro that will be optimized for people who do, let's just say they work on sound or people who do color grading or people who make music. Now the fully spec Mac Pro with those amazing sound cards in it for music makers doesn't apply to me. I don't need that. So that's not something that I would consider, like, why would I get that? It makes no sense. I'm someone who edits videos. So I would want a Mac Pro that's optimized for video editing. And the perfect Mac Pro for video editing may not be the one that is the most expensive. So, you know, if you're doing 3D modeling, for example, that may be the most expensive Mac Pro, depending on what you throw into it. So for me, I'm going with a Mac Pro that is optimized for editing video. It's not gonna be something that you consider to be fully loaded. Definitely won't be the base model. There will be upgrades in there. It's going to be 
a machine that I configure to make video editing a breeze with no consideration for, oh, this component is super expensive. I should get that too, even though it has nothing to do with video editing, but I just want it so I can say I have a more, no, that makes no sense. John Prosser asks, who's your favorite tech news show host? Um, let me think. Tech news show. There is Pocket Now Daily with Jaime Rivera. That's a really good show. What other tech news shows are there? I mean, this is a tech news show. I do like the Geared Up podcast with myself as the host. That's a good show. Wasn't there a guy, Robert Rosenfeld or something? He had a he had a cool daily tech show, but I don't think he does it anymore. That was a good one. But if you know, John, if you know of any tech news shows that people should be watching, let me know. By the way, if you're listening to if you're listening to this and you want a daily news show with a little comedy thrown in, you can check out John Prosser's channel, Front Page Tech. Go over to Front Page Tech and be sure to tell John Prosser that I sent you. Last question here from Doc Squiffy. Why is YouTube's creator support so bad? You know, I personally don't experience bad support from creator support, but that's because I'm a partner manager at YouTube. But really, YouTube is huge. It's monolithic. It's gigantic. There are hours and hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute. It's impossible to police that with humans, and it's very hard to police that with AI and machine learning. And I think they're doing their best, but quite honestly, it is a huge huge task. So there you have it, guys. Those were the questions submitted this week. I want to thank you all again so much for making last week's show so amazing, for helping people find the show. If you're so obliged, please do share again this week. Again, let me know. Give me feedback on the show, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. Do you like the length of the show? I've been trying to keep it to roughly 25 or 30 minutes so it doesn't take up too much of your time. But some, you know, there are some podcasts out there that go two hours. And so I want to find the sweet spot for what you guys are looking for. Till next time, this was Geared Up brought to you by National Car Rental. If you're not already, you should subscribe to my YouTube channel to see all my tech videos. You can do that at youtube.com slash gear live. Also subscribe to Geared Up if you haven't done it yet. Just search for Geared Up. That's two words, not one in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, whatever your favorite podcast app is, you'll be able to find Geared Up there. If you like what I do, consider leaving a rating and a review. It really helps other people find the show. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Andrew Edwards, and I will catch you in the next episode.